from the hosts that brought you to Coding Westworld. And Westworld the Recapables. Comes the Ringer Prestige TV podcast uh, on Westworld. I'm Joanna Robinson. I'm Danny Heifetz. And I'm David Shoemaker. Welcome to Westworld Season 4 and the Prestige TV podcast feed, where we're going to break down every episode of Westworld Season 4. Every Monday, the day after the show comes out on the Prestige TV podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, but get them on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a very delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. What's up, everybody? This is Tyson Apostle, your forever host on Surviving the Challenge. Uh, if you haven't been tuning in to the Challenge USA on CBS, you're totally missing out because there's so much of me on TV. You do not want to miss it. And today on the podcast, I have one of my dear, dear friends who started my reality TV journey with me together almost 15 years ago. Stephen Fishback. Stephen, what's up, dude? Oh my God, it's such a pleasure to be here. And it's such a pleasure to be watching you on The Challenge. Um, as you say, we've been friends for a long time. The Challenge is also, I think it's my favorite reality TV show to watch. Obviously, we were on Survivor together. And that you know is my favorite TV show as a, as a concept. But it, it can be like stressful watching survivor now you know because it's sort of like you, you flash back and, and and it's like there's trauma um but watching the challenge i love because it's it's uh i don't has none of that stress and now seeing you on the challenge it's a combination of two of my favorite things me and the challenge yes you and the challenge two of my favorite things exactly fantastic uh for those who don't know, Amelia's feeling a bit under the weather today. And Stephen, last minute, I know he's been watching the challenge. And uh, so I called him and he said, let me check. And then two seconds later, he said, okay, I definitely want to be on your podcast. So I don't know what research you did. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was just trying to play it cool, but I, I really couldn't. I'm not that cool. I was so excited to be here, but I didn't want to like just immediately say yes. Uh-huh. What uh what have you been thinking of this season so far? You you watch the challenge in general. You've you're uh, familiar with all the old OGs as they like to call them and uh the MTV version. Uh what do you think of this uh the challenge USA? Yeah, I, I mean I, I truly am loving it. I love the challenge format. Um I love just how quickly it moves. I love that that how creative the challenges themselves are. I love the the you know the the elimination the mano a mano part of it which I would be terrible at 
And now, like I was saying, now that there's people I know, people I, you know, I don't, I know in my life, like you, like people who I'm like really good friends with, it's so much more exciting. It's so much more fun. And, and what makes it particularly fun, Tyson, is that like you're the biggest character. You know, it's not like, oh, I mean, I, I'm also, you know, friendly with Tasha. I played Survivor with her too. It was less fun to watch Tasha. You know, she wasn't there there that much. Yeah, no, she uh, she was playing that under the radar game. And the problem with playing the under the radar game is if you get eliminated early while still playing under the radar, you don't get any TV time. Well, <laughs> exactly. And with a show like The Challenge, you know, you really, that's got to be, you know, foremost in in your mind. The other thing too is, and, and I, I want to, why I think The Challenge might be even better suited for you than Survivor, which you're obviously, you know, considered a legend at, um, is that you Thank can you. be a dominant player, a dominant character, and it's not going to immediately bite you in the butt. Whereas like now, if you're a huge force on Survivor, like there's no way like the biggest character on Survivor, you know, day one is going to make it all the way to the end. But like with the challenge, because like people have to, there's, you know, if you're really good at challenges, nobody's going to want to fight you in elimination. So like you can be a big character, you can be a big player like you are. Like, I feel like that's always been your, you know, those seasons where, you, where you've gone out not winning in, in Survivor. It's been because like people are scared of you. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think, uh, I don't think everybody has recognized that on the challenge, uh, the Survivor players and even the Big Brother players who, it's like, generally, you want to get off to a slower start, be unassuming, kind of worm your way into something, build the numbers, and then win when it matters most. And on the challenge, it's kind of like, lead from the front and go as hard as you can. And I think that when I first touched down on the challenge, I understood that, you know, I'm old, I'm skinny, uh, people might not consider me a threat. So the best thing I can do is show them that I'm a threat very, very early and make them fear me. So you knew immediately that you kind of, you, you didn't want to play an under the radar strategy at all. You knew going in, I want to be just a, a beast. I want to, you know, put the fear of God in these people. Correct. Yes. Day one, day one, I said, I need to win this. And then day two, I, or challenge number two, I looked at it. I was like, I can win this. And at that point I was like, I'm off to the races. And then I, obviously I was, I'm trying to win all of the challenges, but, uh, I know that that's a almost impossible task. And, uh, as we see tonight, I didn't win, but you know, uh, people are definitely intimidated by me already. Yeah. So getting into the strategy tonight, the episode starts with, you know, basically this conversation that you have with Angela, where, you know, you are talking about eliminating all of the weaker players so that you don't have to um, be paired with them. I'm curious, like how much, you know, there's some, a lot was made of this alliance you and you and Angela have, you know, Shan says, I've got my eye on him. And, you know, to, to prove that she actually starts staring at you, you know, she literally has her eyes on you. I felt that. Like, where were your alliances at this point in the game? Like, were you primarily, you know, Survivor Strong, but like, I've got this side thing with Angela or, you know, is, is the Angela Alliance like top, you know, your, your number one priority? Yeah. Uh, Angela Alliance at the, that time was my number one priority because I felt like she had the best chance of winning more challenges, which means she's making decisions more often. And I want to be on the good side of those decisions. And so that I think 
in this scenario with the algorithm, the way it was playing out, I recognized very early on that the strong players who had the most likelihood of winning challenges were going to have the most power. And those were the people that I needed to pull in closest to me. And so that was Angela on the women's side because they're 50% of the vote right there, you know? And then, uh, and then I was just waiting to see how the guys kind of shook up and where the girls, uh, were as well. Justine, after winning with her last week, same thing. I was very tight with Justine at this point. Uh, didn't really show that much on this episode, but I was all about sticking with people who had enough money to run the final. That's interesting because you know that those people are already kind of in in at the end. And they, they you're right. That's, that's, that's very interesting. Like they want to get to the end. I want to get to the end. If we can create some type of bond there, then that's going to be perfect. I would think keeping someone like Justine too is good because she's maybe physically weaker than some of the other girls. And maybe she could be someone who, you know, a huge male competitor, you know, might end up, you know, stuck with because of the algorithm. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like that was the other, the flip side of it is if you have already had a weaker uh, partner, keep them in the game so that they're partnered with somebody who they could potentially drag down. And so if you haven't had somebody that you that is considered weaker. And like, that's such a, like a vague term in a game like this, because you never know what challenge is going to come and you never know who's going to be necessarily good at what you just have to look at somebody who's good at more things or most things. So, uh, and that, so that's kind of like also a guessing, guessing game. Did, um, so you're like a week in at this point, right? At the start of this episode, it's been about a week. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So each, each week, there's two challenges, two eliminations, couple a day or two off, and then reset again. So, uh, yeah, a little over a week at this point. Did you f- sort of have already a sense of who everybody was? You know, because like I watching this, I know like six people, and the rest are you know uh, a blur to me from from shows I've never seen before. And I'm assuming you were not a huge Love Island viewer before this, otherwise I imagine you've gone back and watched all the seasons of all your new friends. Um, did you like have like a weekend? Are you kind of, you kind of have a lay of the land of like where everybody is, or maybe you had that like much earlier than a weekend. Yeah. It didn't take that long. I mean, you connect with people, you see who laughs at your jokes, you, you know, you see who kind of tags along with you and, and you do get a lay of the land really quickly. Cause you're, I mean, you're 24 seven with these people and that's the name of the game is getting to know everybody as quickly as possible on as deep a connection as you possibly can forge in that amount of time. And so you really are like learning about everybody, you know, taking walks with everybody, sitting down with everybody, learning like what people do in their life, what show they're from, what season they were on, what they did on their season, you know. And there's one thing about reality contestants, Stephen, that you may not know is that they love to talk about themselves. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, you're, you're basically trained to talk about yourself by having like a camera person like constantly interview you. You're like, you like learn to be extremely narcissistic. Yeah, that's all. It's it. Like there's so many times in my life where I go out and somebody's like, hey, how's it going, Tyson? I'm like, I'm going to tell you my entire thing right now. And then I stop myself. I was like, yeah, what about you? What are you up to? <laughs> exactly exactly um so who who else you know who else uh is at this point do you think is playing a good game because i feel like we've mostly seen strategy from you and angela and like maybe a little bit 
Shan, and you know, we see kind of the amazing racers off in their like little you know area of of like complaining about how no one respects them. But you know, is there someone who we're who we're not seeing who's playing a, a really smart game at this point? I think most of the under the radar players are doing okay. Like Cinco was very good at getting around and meeting a lot of people and kind of like the I'm cool with you type of of conversation. He was he had a lot of those and you could see it, but also you were like, okay, Cinco's super chill. He's cool. He hasn't really like pronounced his devotion to any one group. And he seems like he's just kind of chill. So let's just let him chill. And so there were people like that. The survivors, obviously, were all preaching survivor strong, but you know how survivors are. They're all, you know, side eyeing each other, wondering when the first survivor is going to strike at the first survivor. (laughs) And so it's just like, do you wait to get God or do you get get them first? So, and that's, I think, the game that the survivor contestants are playing with each other. And uh, the, the fun thing or the interesting thing about the challenge is, you don't have to strategize as hard as you do on survivor. Like there's just like, it's a little bit more toned down and relaxed in that environment because you have the eliminations. So you just have to like win your way back in, which is like a little bit of an insurance policy. If you do go into elimination and then, uh, you know, a handful of people, six to 10 people are going to make the the finals. So you don't really have to whittle it down. And then you don't also have to backstab with as much finesse because nobody's voting for you to win in the end. Right. That's so interesting. I've always, I've thought, it's a, that's a great point. I've thought about the thing where if there's a group of people, a larger group at the end means you never really have to turn on your close allies. But the point that, you know, you, you, you can eliminate people and not, you know, really worry about it. I hadn't really thought about that. I, like you, you don't have to like be, be nice to people as you vote them into elimination. Yeah. Imagine being final eight in token chains, dude. We both would have been there. <laughs> be a disaster. We'd run, oh my God, we'd all run a, <laughs> run a race against each other. It'd be just horrible. <laughs> so, but that's the thing, like the game of Survivor, that's about when it got going right there. Yeah. And by then you're already in the finals. So definitely a different beast. And is this, I mean, so the, the thing about like keeping strong players is, is then you have to run a final against them. I mean, maybe for someone like you. Yeah, nobody's stronger than that. me. For me, I definitely benefit from this. For other people who aren't as strong as me, they do not benefit from this, but they do benefit in the fact that they go a little bit further. So can I convince them that they can go further or that they can beat me in a final? That's the sales pitch I have to make. And I'm very aware of that. Like the final is what I am most built for. The fact that I won the first two challenges, ridiculous. But (laughs) if you put me in a final, I'm going to win almost every single time. And the only person that can beat me in a final is myself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well right because you are like you're an endurance athlete you do like extreme endurance you know you're like prof- professional endurance athlete you, you do extreme inver- endurance events for for fun for some reason but like obviously you're not like meant to do you're not made for like hall brawls which like for me if i'm you know that would be i would be terrified of that you know going on the challenger like am i just gonna get a concussion you know because i'm gonna be have to run head first into you know cinco Exactly. And that's, that was my concern too. It was like, I'm going to be good at everything. 
except for going into a hall brawl or something like that with somebody much, much bigger than me. Uh, and I'm at the age where I definitely can't afford to get hurt on a game show. You know, like that's not, that's, I'm, I'm not sacrificing my health to, you know, not look weak on TV. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of which, let's get into the challenge itself. So you are paired with Alyssa, who um, in the funniest moment of the episode, you're like some of these people say, I once biked 12 miles as, uh, you know, proof of how strong they are. And that's my warm up. And that happened to be her. Yeah, I, I did not in that moment remember it was her at all. I just remember everybody bragging about like all the stuff they had done leading up to get ready. And I was just like, no, that's not even a thing. Like a three mile run is like, that's fine. But like, if you can't run three miles without training for it, you're, you know, you're in for a rude awakening. Like, uh, and so 12 miles, like, I don't ever think that I've, it's not even worth putting on my sh bike shoes for a 12 mile thing. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like if you're like, Hey, we only have time for 12 miles today. I was like, well, I'll get the same amount of fitness from doing nothing. <laughs> so it's so not I'll even just worth stay biking. home. It's not wow. worth the energy to put my shoes and cycling clothes on and get my bike out of the garage. So that was, it was super funny. And Alyssa took it so well. And I think that like Alyssa, I think her charm is that she is, very okay with being very honest about who she is. And so the fact that she like was like, that was me. And then we laughed about it. And uh, that that's like, that's really signature Alyssa right there. Were you nervous? I mean, that ner it's like you in the first two challenges, you have to be thinking like, maybe I can sweep, you know, like that has to be in your head. Oh my gosh, point. dude. That's all I, that's all I was thinking. Legit going to bed. I was just like, I got to sweep this. And the only reason I wanted to sweep because a, it would have been hilarious if I get to the final and I'm the only person there because nobody else has enough money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I will buy three of my closest friends into the final just to demolish them. And then I was like, and do you know how ashamed everyone would feel like that? It's like, just to be like, uh, I, I would probably the oldest, like one of the oldest people there for sure. Right. And then, or and one, of the, one oldest of the oldest guys yeah. there. Yeah. Yes. I think Tasha was 45. Enzo and Dom were 43 and I was 42. Yeah. So you, that would be just so amazing. And, and, but were, were you, when you saw you were paired with Alyssa, were, were you fine with that? I was fine. I was like, I, I like the challenge of being able to win challenges with different partners you know, it was running and puzzles and stuff. And I, they're definitely like, uh, Alyssa was one of those people that did like to talk about how much she prepared. And so when we were running, th that's the thing. It's like we were running and running was fine, but then we had to carry those ladder pieces and those weren't weighted based on a percentage of your own body weight. So even though it was like 20, 25 pound weight for me, it was no big deal, but I'm twice as big as Alyssa. So Alyssa was like, you know, kind of dragging that thing. And part of me was like, pick up the pace. But then I also was like, she's essentially lifting twice as much as I am right now. And was there some, I know you said in the past that there was, some, you know, for some of these challenges, there's some like minimum that each person has to do. So this challenge is, uh, TJ called it survivor hangman, but, but, uh, you know, Ben's analogy of wheel of fortune seemed, you know, just as good where you had to run out, get these ladder pieces, assemble a ladder, then one person is holding a pole across their shoulders and has to balance on a balance beam while the other person gets letters 
that will, you know, hopefully solve a puzzle, kind of hangman style, where they hold up a letter. And if it's correct, that letter is revealed. And if it's not correct, you then have to put a sandbag on your partner's beam while they're while they're balancing. Was um, I, I? I did have a question at the end. Of, at the end of that, what, what's the strategy of that challenge? Like, is there just like you know power? I mean, is it just you know Ben's idea of like R S T L N E and like you hope? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it. It's it's common letters. It's figuring out the puzzle and and going from there. And it's like one of those things, like a clean sweep of not carrying a sandbag. There's enough teams there that somebody is going to not carry a sandbag. And so if you have to carry a sandbag back and hook it onto your partner's thing, I think you're done. So that was my, in my head, I was like, we have a chance at winning as long as we never have to carry a sandbag. And I'm so good at this, that even if I did have to do one sandbag, we might still be okay. And I had to do two sandbags. All of the puzzles were alliterations of, uh, a thing yes, and from a country. So it was ants from Antarctica, but, and you're the English wizard here, Stephen, goblet from Germany is not an alliteration or no. is it? It is not. No, no, definitely not. I mean, the first letters are the same, but the, the sound, is that what you, is? was that yours, Goblet from Germany? That was mine, and mine was the only one that was not an alliteration. That's crazy. That's, that's really unfair. The other thing is that, obviously, you are enormously benefit, you know, someone benefits if they have the more common letters. So even, you know, the two that they showed were candles from Canada and flutes from Finland, right? Like, flutes from Finland has an E, it has an S, it has an N, you know? I mean, I guess Candles from Canada has all, all those things too. Well, Ants from Antarctica had like seven A's in it. Right. So if you get one of those, then you're just golden. Yeah. But a lot of, I mean, you, you're really dependent on what, you know, which phrase you get. Yeah. And that's the, that's one of the key differences in these challenges versus survivor challenges is there is a huge luck of the draw factor based on positioning, based on what order you go in. And that's just the nature of this game. Like people address it all the time and they're like, well, them's the breaks. We draw spots. They do draw spots every time. And if you get that spot, that's like a little bit more difficult. That's just the way it is. And so survivor is the opposite where they build everything as fair as they possibly can fathom. Yes. Yes. That's so interesting. And so there's like, you're not like, oh, I got screwed. I had the one alliteration. You're just kind of, this is, that stinks, you know. But ultimately, this is not a bad result for you because Angela winning is, you know, great. You know that you're safe. You know that you're going to have huge influence in the vote. And we can also poll in Kyland as well. Right. That's so what would happen with with James and Tasha? So James went to hold, to give Tasha a sandbag and she just immediately tipped. Was that was it just like ter- was it did Tasha just totally screw up or was there something about the balance beams that was, you know, that we're I mean, not seeing? 10 pounds and if you have that bar centered on your shoulders and then you add 10 pounds to one side, I think James probably added it and then just let it drop and it dropped to the ground. Whereas it took me when I hooked my bag on Alyssa's shoulders, it took me a good 30 seconds to a minute to help her balance it before I let go fully of the bag. Right. And and there was even a moment where she said, right, are you, do you, are you actually, that was her, right? Saying to you, like, oh, have you let go yet? And you're like, no, I haven't put it on you, which was, which which was like sort of funny, but also makes so much sense because you don't want to just drop it on her because obviously that can immediately, you know, destabilize someone. 
Yes, exactly. And I think that's what happened there. And Tasha kind of destabilized, tapped the ground, and then dropped. And that padding wasn't a pad. It was like a bunch of cardboard boxes underneath a cover, which works, but not soft. Right. That's interesting. That's really interesting. And so, and, and that's so you, it's much also more challenging to, to balance that across your shoulders, especially if. Um, I was actually wondering if there was any chance that you would do that. I mean, there, I knew there was no way Alyssa was going to be sprinting back and forth, but, but uh, you know, you presumably would have had better balance than her do, but it ended up not being an issue because you didn't win or lose. Yes. And that's the thing is like, the best thing you can do on the challenge is win the challenge. But if you're not going to win, do not lose and have created yourself a group socially that is the majority. And then you're pretty solid. So you get back, you know, after the challenge and you, you go right up to Angela. It was interesting to me because it seemed like you said, okay, you know, we'll talk, we'll make this our decision. You know, whereas the previous two episodes, it seemed like, you know, it was really your decision with your partner. Um, you know, you, this one, it's, you, you were, you made, it was framed as kind of, this is our decision together. Like, was that, were all the decisions sort of, you know, nebulous group decisions or, you know, were you and Angela kind of talking for all of them? And and this one just kind of showed that a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Like, and it's the same with on survivor. Like you can't make a move without your Alliance knowing or else your Alliance feels betrayed. So anybody that's feeling close to you, you have to give them something. And the closer they are to you, the more information you have to give them versus like, you know, Sometimes in, in the game, you can give like, and I definitely remember like the first, uh, the first two eliminations, there were people that I just said, you know, like, be prepared to be a little disappointed, but just know like, it's nothing against you and it's not you versus telling somebody flat out who it's going to be. And so like you, you know, you have to give some, but to who and, and how much is dependent on how close you are with that person. So Angela at this point, uh, she knew who the she knew who I was putting into elimination and why, and we talked through it. And I, I actually last week, when I put Tiffany in, she actually said, "I don't think Tiffany's the move." And I was like, "Okay." And then everybody else from Big Brother was like, "Put Tiffany in." So then I went back to Angela. I was like, "Everybody wants Tiffany." She's like, "Okay, let's do right. it." So <laughs> yeah. But I, if I'm Angela in this position, I'm thinking, you know, Tyson's got an alliance with me, but he also can always fall back on survivors. So if I'm Angela, I want to eliminate a survivor here. And so I was thinking if she's got to put in Dominic and Gastel, but then you also said earlier, you're kind of protecting Justine. So the show made it seem like there was, you know, is it Dominic and Cache or is it Justine and Leo? And you're saying Justine and Leo were like never really on the table because you were kind of protecting Justine anyway. Yeah, for me, Justine would not have been uh, an option. I think Angela felt the same way. Uh, but at the same time, you have to just hear people out. Like every time you go into that room, you are like, what do you want? And then they say, and then you're like, okay, cool. And then you think of exactly what you want to do. And then you go back to them and sell them on the idea of what you want to do and why you think it's best for them, whether or not it really is. That's great. Yeah. I mean, was James was James right to want, I mean, to go against... Justine and Leo? Yeah, I think so. I mean, with going against Amazing Race, probably not, honestly, too early to do that. But 
he was right in like, if I'm going to go in, I may as well get my money for the final. And that was the problem with going in against Dom and Cash is that they didn't have enough cash to win to qualify James and Tasha for the final. So it's like, even if I go in and win, I still have to either win a challenge or win more eliminations. So that was some pressure and some stress. Whereas, and I think Tasha and James both were like, we want to get our money, but I didn't want to set the precedent for putting people with money in the elimination because I didn't want people to then feel comfortable with putting me in. So my whole thing was, if you qualified for the final, let's try and help each other. So just sorry, and I should have given more context. So so J- James was um, basically pushing to send in Justin, Justin Leo, even though Leo was one of the three other amazing racers. It's James, Leo, and Kayla are the only amazing racers. And so they, the two, like the three of them, you'd think, you know, because they are such a small group, really have to have each other's backs. And I was trying to think, like, is there some argument that if James is the solo racer left, that actually benefits him because he's less of a target, but not really. I don't think so. Yeah. Not, not in the way that the decisions seem to be being made here. Then you don't have anybody upset, you know, when you, when they go against you. So I don't think, I don't think there's any benefit to being the lone survivor of the amazing race group. And I also think it was probably pretty poor of James to even like go to Leo and be like, I kind of want to go against you. Cause I kind of want to <laughs> yeah. get my money. Yeah. Like that's fine if you feel that way, James, but keep that to yourself with someone who is trusting you. Right. I mean, that seemed like a huge, um, a huge thing to say, right? Because, because if he does come back, then suddenly he's really fractured this bond, not just with Leo, but also with Kayla. I mean, is there any element of James thinking here, you know, I've lost, I lost the last challenge. I was the first one out of that. I lost this challenge. I'm the first one out of this. Like, I am not long for this game. I just need to like create as much drama as I can to like earn myself a, a spot back here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there would have to be. And it, like, it was in a way heartbreaking. Like James was my bunk mate. We shared a bunk bed and like, we were pretty close and like, he was like, I'm working with you, Tyson. I want to work with Survivor. I'm willing to do whatever. And I was like, great, let's work together. But then he kept finding himself on the bottom. I was like, James, dude, like we, we can run this. You can be part of it, but you got to stay out of elimination. And so, and at that point it was like, he was coming to me for advice every once in a while. I was giving it to him, but at the same time I was like, this is going to catch up with me, James, at some point, if you don't like you know, shut it down and stop losing. And, uh, and so, but it was a bummer too. Like if James would have been put with, you know, different people, that's the randomness of, of the algorithm as well. <laughs> the computer scientists really screwed James on this one. Yeah. They really did a number on him. Yeah. The, um, so the other option was Dominic and cash and this absolutely flummoxed me. And, and maybe I'm missing something very simple, but Dom, was basically, and I couldn't like, was he just like depressed? Like he, he was going around saying, I guess it's me, like put me in, you know, it looks like it's going to be me today. And Cash like very sensibly says like, hey, if you go around talking about how it's going to be you and you're, you know, then people are going to feel comfortable putting you in. You know, they're not going to worry about offending you when they do vote you in. And Like we shouldn't want to go in. And Dom says, oh no, I'm ready. It's my time. I'm ready to go in. And Cash like, 
no, no, you're supposed to avoid being eliminated, you know, in order to win these things. I mean, was Dom hoping to pick up money from, it's like James and Tasha did not have enough money to put them into the final. So was there some logic that I'm missing here? I think he was trying to intimidate James and uh, Tasha from nominating or pushing to have them nominated for elimination. So I think he was kind of like puffing his chest out and being like, well, I'm ready. I'm definitely going to crush type of thing. But he did it a little too timid and not in your face (laughs) and brash and arrogant enough. It's like, take a page from my book, bro, and tell everybody you're the best at everything. Right. Um, Yeah, he was like the timid chest puff is a very, uh, it's an ambivalent ambivalent (laughs) move. It's a little confusing to witness. So I liked it. I liked how it played out. I also liked how, man, I don't know. I love Dom. I think he's a great dude. But like that confessional about him uh, being like, I manage a construction group and you just do what I tell you to do. And I'm like, come on, bro. That's not like, and Cachet's like, he's not listening to me. And she had a couple very good points here. Uh, I also liked uh, when they did go into elimination where she was like, I should go in the water because I'm smaller. And he's like, no, you should not. She's like, okay, we'll just do what you want to do. And for the viewers, just note this. If it backfires and Dom (laughs) is wrong, let me know on social media. Yeah, that was amazing. uh, That was great. Yeah, Yeah, that was perfect. Even like at the very beginning of this relationship, there was so much animosity between them. You know, there was this scene where Cash was in bed with Sarah and they were talking about a guy um and dom walks by he's like oh i'm playing a game of of strategy i'm not here to talk about guys but really what you're supposed to be doing is like you said like you know mingling like making friends like getting to know people like that is what the game of strategy is about and so dom like you know you know doing his like uh timid chest puff it was very uh you know it seems to be missing the point there and again like i really like dom i love dom on survivor he was like a huge player like a big strategist a big um a big challenge beast on survivor um so it was interesting to see him you know just like totally you know miss it, missing this connection that he could have had with cat yeah and but i think that that's like survivor does is a cross section of america like you definitely are coming across especially your first time playing but it's like a lot of salt of the earth people they are a lot of type a personalities but they're still like everyday people whereas this the challenge usa is very extreme like the extremes of the reality show world so like you're not like dealing with like susan from iowa it's like you're dealing with like one of the most boisterous, vocal, uh, fun-loving personalities from Love Island. So it's like, that's definitely a different scenario than like bonding with, uh, with some, you know, salt of the earth, somebody who's like super excited to be on Survivor for first time and everybody's having a great time. Like, it's just different. And like, this is Dom's, only Dom's second time coming back to a reality show, you know? And so he may not have that experience to navigate those more eccentric personalities. Now I have this theory 
And I want you, you know, your perspective here. I think people play their, and this is not 100% the case, obviously, but as a rule, I think people play their absolute worst when they're coming back for their second time. And that was certainly true of us. I think especially someone who's ha- seen a lot of success their first time. Right. And like I found, so my second season of Survivor was called Second Chances. And literally everyone was there. You know, it was their second chance. We were all second timers. And every, like most of the people in that game did not think like, oh, this is my opportunity to win. They thought I am like divinely destined to win. I am like walking onto this beach, like not like hoping to win or expecting to win, but like that, de- like the destined to win. And like, I was like, did that, was that attitude? And, you know, so like they like could not comprehend when things were not working out like for them, like as you know, the divine plan intended, like, was that true here for like for second timers? I mean, I think it is in general, like that definitely that's a blanket statement. And I think it's more true of second timers who had a really great run. Like if you felt the real sting and agony of defeat and embarrassment and everybody at home laughed at you as you failed miserably on your first season of whatever, then I think you come back with a little vengeance, a little wisdom. You're ready to change things up and shake things up differently. Whereas if you have a great run, you're like, I'm going to do everything like pretty much the same. I'm just going to be like more cognizant of like this one thing that got me last time. That's the wrong way to play. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And so what do you think, you know, you, you've, you know, this is your fifth season of competition reality, right? I mean, your, your sixth season of, of any reality. Um, yeah. What do you think is like some of the perspective you have that some of these people just do not have at all? I think you got to slow play. I think you let the game come to you more than go to the game. Like, and I think that that's something that Shan is not doing great at this point. Like she's going around telling people stuff. And it's like, let people come to you and tell you stuff because the shans of the house are going to come to you and tell you if they trust you enough. And then you'll know they trust you enough. Like if you're going around <laughs> to everybody and being like, hey, yo, so-and-so said this, how do I even know I can trust that person to keep that under wraps? Like that's not something that, and so like letting the game come to you versus the opposite, definitely very, very smart. Uh, and then you know, and then the other thing is, is just like, uh, let people have their conversations. That's the other thing. Like you can watch people have a conversation, but if you're sticking your nose in every single conversation other people are having, like being able to sit back and trust someone 
to come back to you with the info from that conversation that you're seeing happen, you have to. Like you can't be in every conversation because people will hate you. That's So my like, you know, on Survivor, I always think, you know, you don't want to let a conversation happen without you because then you're, you're you know, people are going to like suggest whatever name of the, is a person who's not there. But everybody right? notices that immediately. The second you're sticking your face into everybody's conversation, like they're noticing that. Like you need to be aware of the conversations. You need to try and like figure out what's happening, but you can't run around in circles and push your face into every conversation because that gets old real fast. Right. And so speaking of Shan, like I, um, you know, she came off season 41 of Survivor and she was this huge epic threat. You know, like this was one of the great new characters of Survivor who, you know, basically like magically entranced the people of her tribe and everyone was tripping over themselves to like be her friend and her ally. And it, you know, and, and she just was like, wow, who is this like new force of reality television who was like both a great character and like, you know, the Shantham and, you know, she had her, which was, which was like the little ditty she whispered or she, she sang when she was you know, scheming. And this time she comes back and I mean, I don't know. I, I just like, I feel like, I feel like it's two different people, you know, now she's kind of, she's kind of like doing the Shantham and it's like a bit, you know, she's like, uh, like an, like an Elvis impersonator, like doing the Shantham, like, Hey, like, you know, you know, like, it's like a, it's like a shtick, you know, it's like, it's like coaching his second time out time, you know, and he was like trying to recapture the coach glory. Like what, what was your takeaway from her? Is that, is this just like second time, you know, blues or, or. Yeah. I mean, it could be a case of that, but like, I definitely was very you know, wary of her. Like I was like, okay, be careful around Shan. I know that she can be dangerous. And then I got out there. I was like, oh, she's not dangerous at all. She's showing all of her cards immediately (laughs) and totally, totally fine. Which makes me like now second guess every opinion I had of everybody on 41. So I'm I'm like, if she was the biggest threat on 41 and I'm looking at her and being like, I know exactly what's going on with her. The second she stepped in the door, at that point, I have to be like, man, 41, maybe not that difficult of a season. Definitely (laughs) not the hardest season of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They said a lot that it was the hardest season of all time. And eventually they did say it a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So so let's get into the actual elimination itself, because this was such a wild elimination. At first, I was just confused over what was happening. And and so, you know, I'm going to try to summarize it. And you tell me if I just have completely misunderstood. So one person of this pair gets into a water tank and they have to unclip these like cinder blocks. And I would have done that all in one breath. (laughs) (laughs) And like, so they, they pass the cinder block to the partner and the partner then either chooses to stack them immediately or stack them later. Is that right? Like the partner could make multiple trips? Yeah, the partner I think could make multiple trips. Maybe once you came down the stairs, you weren't allowed back up. Something, I don't know, something, uh, I think you had to, yeah, I I don't know exactly. I do remember vaguely something about like, once you come down, you can't go back up or maybe that wasn't the case. But uh, there was some rule in there that you couldn't start stacking till a certain amount of time. I think you had to have a certain amount of blocks up before you could start stacking. That's what I think it was. And so meanwhile, there this this um this water is draining very quickly from a pipe and you will be 
you're basically disqualified if you don't finish your tower before the water empties. Is that right? That's correct. And Dom did not get that memo. <laughs> yeah, it sure seemed like it. He was making zero effort. So while we had James, who was... Um, and, and like, so you're, you're watching this. Can you tell like that one was one of them? I, you, I couldn't really see it was one of them doing better with the unclipping than the other. Like, is there like, yeah, Dom was doing better with the unclipping, uh, by a little bit. Uh, and then they were stacking and they were very even stacking. They both tipped once. I think they both had most of their pieces, but this tower was taller than both of them. So they had to put like four pieces together as a sandwich and then reach up and put it as like the final topper. And so they were all, they were both trying to stack one at a time and then the tower got too tall for either of them to reach the top. So then they both had to adjust their strategies. And, uh, Dom was just concerned with watching cachet and James was clogging the pipe and also watching the water in Dom's just go down. Like, I just remember seeing James just like staring at like Dom's water <laughs> level and being like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. Cachet finished right in time. I don't even think I fully realized that Dom's water was that low until they finished. It was right finished. there, right? It looked it like was it was like right, right at the line. It I was. I mean, that was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, like, you know, they weren't playing, like Cachet was not playing against James and Tasha. She was playing against Dom. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which we saw the whole episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, I feel like Cachet is a good like six inches on Tasha, right? Like that's that's um has to be a Cachet big was a little taller than Tasha, yeah. So you were just like, oh man. And so like that's one of those instances where it's like, that's also luck of the draw. Like, are you with a tall person? Are you with a, a person who can swim? Are you with somebody who can hold their breath? Like, there's so many things in this in this scenario. Like, Dom would have been better at stacking because he's taller, but Cachet, not a strong swimmer. So could she have gotten down and unclipped those? I don't know. And so that's like, that's honestly like so much of this game is like, because they don't, it's not like Survivor where they're like, oh, you're six foot two. We're going to make a stack that's your height or two feet taller than you is what you got to stack. It's just like, the stack's eight foot tall. If you're four foot three, you still got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways I like that because inherently there's like unfairness in a game, right? Like no, like no matter what, some challenge benefits someone more than it does somebody else. So just to like not even try to make yeah. it fair, it's like, it's like, great. You know, like you're screwed. You're, you're too short. You can, you know, you can't yeah. even like stand on the balance beam. There is something to that too. Yeah. I also agree. Like, I don't know. Like there's instances in this game where you're like, Ooh, that was definitely like, she's going to have a harder time stacking those blocks. But then at the same time, it's like, can they really cater that for anybody and to what degree? And then what else is unfair in this moment? Cause now you have to figure out how to make as mu many things equal as possible. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's such an Which interesting is survivors game. Right. Right. That's it, it's, it's so interesting too, because it's obviously, um, Oh, I don't know. I was going to say that the challenge is a more controlled environment than Survivor because in Survivor, you're in the wild. And so like they need to maybe like, you know, control the challenge. I, I, I don't know. Did you feel 
like which show did you feel sort of like more I can do what I want? You know, I mean, not obviously in neither show can you really do what you want. You're in like in a house or you're in a beach. Um, where was there more just like I can like take a stroll and and, and go, you know, spend some survivor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Survivor definitely like you feel trapped in that compound. Like there's inside nowhere long, to go. Basically. You're That's inside wild. all day yeah. long. You have a courtyard that like it's like prison, dude. You go see the sunshine for like an hour a day, you know, and then you go to the gym and, you know, get your bulk on so that you, you know, don't get beat up in the night. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's definitely like so much more freedom on survivor, like being able to go to the ocean and stuff like that. And so like people do get like pretty stir crazy, but at the same time, it's like, I'd walk a lap in the house I'd run a mile on the treadmill in my flip-flops. I'd do 20 pull-ups. I'd do 20 dips. And then I'd eat a bag of chips. And then I'd go shoot basketball. And then I'd take a nap. And then I'd start that whole thing over again. And that was like what my day consisted of. And I know you've taught, you talked a little bit with Amelia about how like the food on the challenge was not good. So it was like not that much better to actually have food. But like still, there must be some difference to doing a physical competition when you actually have, you know, the feeling that you have all your physical resources. Yeah, but I always felt pretty good empty on Survivor. Like I never, like I always felt like I can pull it all together, muscle through an hour or two of whatever we're doing. And then I can, you know, let my body just like lay in the sand uh, weak and devoid of all energy. But I think that like, and I think I'm better at doing that than most people. So I think that that is an advantage for me. So having everyone else nourished in the house is for me, a slight disadvantage is I feel like I'm better at starving than most people. Right. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the bunk room because that actually seems like hell to me. Like when I Dude, saw like that, that shot, nightmare. Like, <laughs> cause you have like 28 people, you know, in bunk beds and they're all in a room together. I'm a light sleeper as it is. Like I need my, you know, my earplugs, my ask, you know, I look, um, like I'm, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's how, and that's how I was too. Like I walk in there, I'm like, Oh, this is the bunk room. This sucks for these guys. But like, where's my presidential suite? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, like I'm one of the oldest guys here. I've been on the most shows. Uh, I guess you probably the presidential suite somewhere. Right. And, uh, it wasn't, I was on a bunk. Cause like any, and they're all, you know, you've got all these like 20 somethings who are, you know, exes and they're hooking up and they're carrying each other to bed. And, um, in the challenge in like the in the MTV challenge, I mean, they're all like playing pranks on each other. I mean, that actually seemed like, was that part of the, the vibe? Yeah. I didn't want to be pranked. I didn't want to start a prank war. Cause you always start a prank war with somebody who doesn't know the line where the line is. And you're just like, okay, I tickled your face with a feather while you were sleeping and you itched your nose. And then the next day you like uh, scooped out all the feces from like 10 days of shit from the latrine and dumped it on me in my sleep. Like I did not want to get into a battle like that where I was like, I'm not going to win because I'm not going to cross the line that is inappropriate. But somebody here hasn't been in a prank war enough to know that there are rules to war. Right. Right. And so I was like, do not start a prank battle and also do not let someone. So people who were like, Ooh, pranks. I was like, yeah, you try pranking me. I'm going to get you good. 
So like that was also part of it. And I was just like horrified. And sometimes you lay awake at night and be like, I'm going to catch somebody who's going to prank me. So yeah, there was, man, it was just like uh, no rest. Oh man. I mean, I, I noticed that in, in one of the previous podcasts with Amelia, you were talking about how everybody was napping all the time. And was that just because like they weren't sleeping at night? Yeah. Sleeping at night was poor. Uh, there was mosquitoes. It was pretty warm. And a lot of times lights were on so that, uh, you know, things could film. Uh, and then, you know, and so then you just take naps in the day and, uh, or just like out of boredom, just like lay down and do whatever. So I tried sleeping outside. I tried sleeping on the couch. I tried sleeping in the deliberation room. I tried sleeping on the bunks a couple of times. I tried putting like everybody tried to build these little walls around their bunks. And there was like, man, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> What's the overall vibe? Like, so on Survivor, you know, for the most part with some outliers, the vibe is largely, you know, we're all in this crazy experience together. We're all supporting each other. We're like making food. We're sleeping together. We're like relying on each other for body heat. Like, yes, we're, there's this crazy game going on around us, but like, we're all as humans, like coming together. Was that the vibe here or was it meaningfully different? I think it was even more so like that. Uh, I remember at challenges, everybody cheer for each other. And like at the one last week, the Scrabble building one, like people would be like, oh, you can do this with those letters. And I was like, why are you guys giving answers to everybody? Like, it was like that all the time. And like, even on like the eliminations are like, oh, do this and do that and do this and do that. And it's just like, everybody wanted to prove how smart they were by telling people in the challenge, the answers. Well, and you noted, and I think your podcast last week, like, why on earth would you do that? Because then if the other team comes back, they're going to be furious at you. Yes, exactly. Especially, yeah, in the elimination, definitely. Like, I always made it a point to, like, not cheer for anybody or cheer for everybody equally. And people were just, like, picking sides and then coaching them through stuff. And then the other way was, like, it was just, like, it was nuts. And so I was just, like, wow, these people either are trying to have a different experience than I am, which like my only purpose for being there is to win this thing, like no other purpose. And then to have these people be like, I'm having fun. I'm sharing answers. And I was just like, <laughs> stop giving answers. So, and who did, did you want? I, who did you, you wanted James to come? I'm sorry. I'm not sorry to interrupt. Oh, no. I, uh, yeah. who did I want to come back? Yeah. It didn't matter to me, honestly. Like uh, Tasha was with Survivor. James was with me and probably with Survivor. Dom was with Survivor and Cachet was, you know, Love Island, a floater. Uh, so it didn't matter that much. I didn't have blood on my hands and both parties I was going to be able to work with. So it didn't really matter to me. And for Angela and now Kylan to trust me, I almost felt like I need a survivor contestant to go so that they don't feel like I'm just swamping them out only to, you know, eliminate them down the road a little bit. Well, so what's interesting about like the survivor alliance is that, you know, it consists largely of you and two people who you like were enemies with the last time you played survivor, which are Sarah uh, and Ben. And yeah. the, um, like that has to be, like, was that awkward? Like, obviously, yeah, like, what, what's the, what's the, what's the feeling yeah, there? Definitely awkward. Like I hadn't spoken to them in multiple years since Winners at War. And we left on pretty bad terms at Winners at War. Like 
things got really heated at final tribal council on the jury. And I was just like, I'm done with these guys. And I think they probably felt the same way about me. And I didn't even, as I was going out on this thing, I didn't even fathom that either one of them could be there. And (laughs) then like a week before I went out, I was like, oh, Sarah's probably going. She's probably kind of perfect for the challenge. Uh, even though, you know, she hasn't won anything yet and she keeps getting paired with really strong partners and <laughs> not being able to do anything. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Ben, like, and so at this point I was just like, well, I got to make the most of it. And as long as we're professional and, you know, we kind of mended things and, uh, we're getting along well in the house. So I was feeling okay with them. I mean, what's interesting to me about Sarah, especially, is that, you know, you always see her, and this was true on Survivor too, where you would always see her um, hanging out with people. You know, she's lying in bed. She's having these intimate conversations. You know, you'd hear from, you know, very, you know, people you would not expect to be her friends about how like wonderful she was, what a great friend. But then like her confessionals are actually sociopathic. You know, they're like, I just want to go out there and kill people. You know, it's like, it's such a strange dichotomy with her. I don't fully get it. Like, uh, I could expound on it more, but I just, yeah, yeah I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. I mean that, that's, uh, so, so where are you? So now you're, you're, you know, living large, um, you know, you're at the algorithm's mercy. Um, yep. what's, what's coming up. You see next week, we saw the the teaser, we got some trivia and some bungee drops coming up and, uh, hopefully I get somebody who's good at trivia. Cause I'm, I know a lot of like weird things, but it always helps to have somebody else who knows a lot of different weird things. And that's the perfect pairing. So, uh, yeah. So fingers crossed there. And it's just like, just keep making myself a threat, keep making myself scary and keep partnering and aligning with the strong people in the house. Cause they're the ones that ultimately are going, going to have the most power as they win challenges. So interesting. It's so much fun. Tyson. It's so much fun to see you on this show, to see, to see you killing it. Like Should I it's have been really put on this show 10 years ago. Oh my God. I, I, I mean, that's, it's interesting. It's like more fun to see 42 year old Tyson just dominate. Like if you had been on the show 10 years ago, they're like, yeah, like that professional athlete is kicking ass, you know, like that's like, I get it. That's what I would expect. But like this, like as like a 42 year old father of two, which also, I mean, we didn't talk about this, but like big news today in, in Tyson apostle world, an article just came out today, uh, announcing that you have two kids, which was, was, was big. One is seven and one is four. I guess they didn't uh, print those articles seven and four years ago, so they decided to do it all in one article. Uh, yeah, I guess that is true. And I also, I, I did surprise myself a little bit here. Like winning the first challenge, I felt very relieved. Crushing the second challenge and realizing that I'm stronger than a lot of dudes in this house was really kind of like a very nice wake-up call for me because I was, when you go out on these shows, like it had been three or four years, three years since I played Survivor last And I did okay, but like, you know, you're like, at some point I'm going to fail miserably physically. And I do not want that on display on national TV for the entire country to see. Yeah, I've been there. Will I be able to recognize that before I commit to going on TV again? Or will I go on and have that wake up call? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, and this, the, the call has not yet come. The call is not coming from inside the house. No, (laughs) not yet. So uh, anyways, anything else, Stephen? 
you know, no, it's just great chatting with you. It's great hearing your stories. I mean, like I, uh, I, you know, I, I got today, I, I caught up on the, on the previous podcast. They're, they're really great. It was just like so delightful. Normally, like I said, I find like re- listening to reality TV podcasts so much stressful just because it's like so much a part of, um, you know, my life and our, and our lives. And, and, and it's just so fun. It's just like such a, like you and Amelia, it's such a great dynamic. And yeah, it's an honor to be uh, the filling in host today. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much for filling in last minute. And uh, I'll stay in touch with you on social media. And you, you have my phone <laughs> number. And uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Well, Facebook recently said that I'm one of your top fans. So that was an honor. So you've got to no, like- I've you know, known that about you for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great chatting with you today. Until next week, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you again to Stephen for filling in last minute. And uh, that's it. We're outie. See ya. See ya.